Hey guys, welcome to Stock Talk. As always, it's Trevor Kirkpatrick alongside Corey Edge. And as you heard, (laughs) as you heard in last week's episode, uh, we have Adam Beck and Jason Coria on with us uh, in just a bit. But before we do that, we want to tell you how freaking awesome our listeners are. I mean, we have a ton of feed positive feedback. We have people um, inputting some of their topics and their social smashes. It's insane. Are you telling me we're going to do some of that? Oh, it's coming right up after this. Like, it's insane how much feedback we've got uh, in terms of people loving it. But then they're like, oh, you need to talk about this. And, And then we roll with it. But we are going to get into some of their topics and give them a shout out. Oh, sounds good. I cannot wait. Yeah, this is going to be awesome. So you guys may not know this, but this is, I keep saying insane, but it really is. We get uh, a feedback of data um, when somebody listens to our podcast and they have certain locations in which those those come from. Uh, Corey, we're not in the boundaries of the United States, my friend. We're worldwide. Isn't that crazy? I mean, we're, we're officially a full month in. And to think of, you know, I was just kind of looking at our stats the other day and it was like, we've got like close to 5,000 plays already. Like, yeah, I mean, easy to think about our our followers and listeners are some of the best out there and, and very loyal to us. And and for you guys listening, I, we truly appreciate you guys jumping in week to week. Like Corey said, we're only a month in and the amount of loyalty that we've gained from you guys is crazy awesome. Um, so just for you guys listening, uh, like we said, you know, obviously our 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 home is United States and, and that makes up most of the percentages. But we got listeners from Canada, Spain, India, Israel, Germany, Ireland, Netherlands, even down there in Jamaica. I mean, yeah, man. Yeah, man. So shout out to everybody listening. Uh, you know, it is phenomenal to kind of see what kind of response we got. Uh, just in the first month of publishing this deal. So uh, hats off to you guys. And I hope, uh, again, keep pouring in those uh, new topics or even suggestions. You know, we've had a lot of those so far. So you guys are absolutely phenomenal. And uh, just Corey and I here so far before we get uh, Jason and Adam on, and we're going to jump into some of your topics uh, that you guys submitted and give you guys a shout out. So uh, I think uh, we are about ready to jump into some of that, Corey. I am super intrigued to see what we got here. But I got a surprise for you, buddy. What's that? Listen to this. Uh A little Uh coetza. How about that? So you're telling me this is going to be a theme song. That is it. When you hear that, (laughs) you know... Topics from a hat's about to happen. Dude, Shout out to our buddy Co. I mean, Co and Reed uh, Southall. They're both, you know, we got Reed with the every opener of of the podcast, but then you got Co Wetzel now jumping in with the topics from a hat. So there you, you are. We might be a couple Midwest boys, but there ain't nothing like good Texas country music. Oh, I'm telling you what, man, it's some of the best. Heck, uh, you guys heard from uh, M, but uh, Emily and I go down to the Jab Fest every single year. I mean, 
We love it. We're from yeah. Ohio. We just fly down there without hesitation every single year. Totally worth it. The old blue light in Lubbock, Texas is a hub for great, great music too. Oh I mean, yeah. I, lo- I loved going there when I was at tech. Loved it. Not just, so, for, the, not just for the beer. <laughs> yes. The atmosphere and everything involved. So, um, we're not going to uh, extinguish all of our resources. We have many of you that uh, either message us on Facebook or send us a snap or Instagram. All of those have used just in uh, after the Lenning Bros talked. So uh, we're going to save some. So if you don't hear yours this week, that does not mean you're not going to get a shout out. Uh, just keep staying tuned. Um, but I'm just going to pick out my favorite this time. Uh, and Corey, we'll both answer these as always, uh, as topics from a hat, uh, we throw in a topic, uh, obviously we don't really have a hat, but they sent in, uh, these topics to be said. So I'll say one and you say your favorite that we got, and then we'll, we'll discuss them. So, um, the topic I have comes from Jake. Uh, Jake says, is it acceptable to post a winner of a photo of the same piece of livestock from a jackpot series week after week? Well, I don't see why the heck not. I mean, you're winning different shows, and regardless of who sees it, I mean, I I think maybe Jake could come at the angle of, uh, well, you know, you don't want to keep promoting the same one that keeps winning. Uh, you know, week after week, you might get a judge that's going to see him again. Whatever, it's a little political, but to be honest, ain't nobody going to know if you won if you don't post it. And to like have a story of one that keeps on winning week after week. That's, I mean, huge for your own brand and your own business. So I say go for it. Yeah. Oh, I, I agree with you because uh, a lot could happen in a week, even if it's one week after the other, uh, that, that piece of livestock can change overnight. And, uh, and there can be different livestock that show up at the show that weren't there before. So, right. um, you know, it's not like you're always going to win, you know, one can hope, and like you said, it's more of a, a business model that, um, you know, you're promoting your brand. And if it, you if you bought it from a breeder, you're promoting their stuff, too. So um, don't be now tagging we're in the judges. That's what I was getting <laughs> set, ready to say. When it gets a little iffy is is tagging the judges. And I guess that could be kind of a, a double dip, a social smash, too, is that's one of my I don't I don't I'm not a fan of tagging the judge. But, you know. These livestock evaluators are going to look on social media. And if they see that piece of livestock, it shouldn't register with them. I mean, I've done jackpot shows and it's a fresh set every time. I mean, yeah, those hogs have been out there or those cattle, sheep, whatever, have been on the series the entire summer or whatever. But uh, in all reality, you just got to wipe that out. And the best piece of livestock at that show that day wins. I mean, that's the way it should happen. Well, and I think it's hard sometimes for, you know, one to consistently win throughout the summer. I mean, you talk about being on a good feeding program. You got to have the right kind of people to manage those livestock to make it that far. And so, yeah, I mean, if you're winning week after week uh, or, if, or you know, like you said, an injury could happen or maybe you go out and win one time and you don't bring them out again till state fair or whatever. I mean, that's an opportunity to, uh, you know, promote your livestock, promote your program, whatever it is. So, I mean, just don't be tagging judges and don't be, uh, you know, saying what show you're going to next with them. And I think everything's fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So uh, good question, Jake. Uh, that was one that I, I kind of grabbed pretty quick and thought it'd be a good discussion. But, yeah, I'm all about it. Just uh, do it responsibly, I guess. Yeah. So, um Trev, one of my favorites that we got 
um, was really interesting. And it actually came from my brother of all people. Uh, uh-huh. so Tanner, um, you know, his is kind of a social smash, but I do think it's, it's kind of a topic, uh, to be discussed. And, and so Tanner said, uh, you know, he, he sees posts of kids showing livestock at all levels. Um, and, and, and he's, he's out there at these shows and can see some of this stuff. And, um, it's kind of interesting how, uh, usually how, how those showmen present themselves in the ring is typically reflective of how their livestock is presented. So, you know, if you've got a kid that's walking around with their jeans tucked into their boots, more oftentimes than not, um, you know, their livestock probably isn't the best cared for as far as skin and hair goes. Um, you know, maybe their livestock aren't built quite right or, you know, things of that nature. So it's an interesting topic, I think, to, to talk about, you know, the difference between, um, you know, dressing professionally and, and having an attitude to win and, you know, one maybe that isn't as, as, you know, you're just there for the show. And maybe this is more so on the county level. Um, uh-huh. but, but I mean, dude, you see it all at all levels of shows you go to. Um, but to me, I, you know, I think really the topic of discussion here is, is managing livestock and yourself in a show ring setting that includes your kids that includes the families you help feed, uh, you know, whatever. So any thoughts? Yeah, I do have a theory. I do have a theory behind this and, um, it's something that, uh, maybe not everybody knows. So uh, the viewpoint I'm going to take about it and the angle I'm going to take is, um, you know, these people may not understand, how involved the show livestock is and there is much more that meets the the eye of a just just a 4-H project. So there is an entire industry that maybe they don't understand or not even they don't even know about. So um but I do think that there are people who go to even national shows or whatever that are there for the good time, they're there for the midway and they dump feed into their their hogs or their their cattle or Just whatever the premium they check. <laughs> yeah. And, and they hope that, you know, the animals live through the fair and they go home and it's happy. But, um, we, uh, uh the ones listening, we've, we've noticed right away are the, the, the step above that. They're the elite ones who are, our listeners understand that, um, you know, there's so much more that, that meets the eye to uh, take care of livestock. So in, in terms of presenting yourself, um, it's just like as if you were to go into the interview. And that was my theory I was getting at. When I judge shows, I am in khaki pants. I got my shirt buttoned up and butt, or tucked in. And I look like I'm there to do a job interview. Now, the the one on the other side, the, the interview is uh, the showman. So I'm presented nicely. I expect those showmen uh, to be presented in a way where it's professional. Their animals are are. Uh, you know, very clean and, and presented to a max also. So um, I do think that is, uh, Tanner brought up a very good point. There is a correlation there of um, people who maintain themselves and look professional and care, you know, what, what they look like in the ring and their animals are presented to the highest degree. So uh, I always, you know, what I always tell my, my younger families is every time you step into the ring, everybody's looking at you. And you want to present yourself at the highest degree. Now, it doesn't mean you go spend $500 on clothes and go all out. I used all my Goodwill stuff and it worked all the time. Just 
you know, make sure it's presentable, no holes in the jeans or, you know, I, I'm not a fan of the big flowy shirts. Uh, you know, just get a nice button up shirt, a nice pair of jeans and a belt and get you some boots. Um, and then it, everything just kind of matches with, with your animal and yourself. And when you're presented in that way, in a professional manner, you stand out in a very positive light and in a judge's perspective. Well, I agree. And the other way to look at things too is, is, you know, sometimes you don't always have the best piece of livestock and you know it, but if those things are cared for, if their skin and hair looks right, if they've been, you know, fit, fitted as well as possible, you know, nine times out of 10, uh, you know, there's going to be a judge that'll give a nod or at least a compliment to a showman or a family, maybe that doesn't necessarily have the best piece of livestock there, but certainly you can tell that they've been well-maintained and well-cared for. And that speaks a lot for a family. And it's not as embarrassing, uh, you know, to be a judge and walk into a ring and see uh, even, even some, some below average livestock that's been very well cared for. What does suck is sometimes you walk into a ring and you see, you know, hogs that still have mud or dirt caked on them. Um, you know, kids that are wearing tennis shoes and, and hats and um, t-shirts and whatever, just into the ring. And like, trust me, I understand, you know, financially, if it, if it's not uh, in your budget, Trevor, like you said, to go and buy a, a three, $400 pair of boots and the nicest jeans and button down and stuff like that. You don't have to do that, but there's there's lots of people out there that aren't as well off as others that still make themselves look presentable. I mean, that's the one yep, thing that sure. eats me alive is to go out and see something like that. So, um, you know, interesting topic of discussion. I, I think uh, one that's certainly probably needs to be brought up a little bit more times than others. As a judge, you hate to get on the mic and have to say something like that if you notice it. And I've done that a time or two where it's been a little bit ridiculous. Um, but at the same time, you know, there's probably just not enough people out there that, you know, talk about stuff like that. So, and I think there's a fine line of kids who go out there and just don't care at all. Like they'd rather be with their buddies or their buddies are laughing at them while they're in the ring and, and their animals are running rampant because they haven't worked with them all summer to begin with. That is very, very irritating. Now, the other side of that line is, there's, you know, young 4-Hers who just honestly don't understand or they're very, very new to everything and they didn't know that they had to have boots. You know, that's what this is kind of about is, you know, we're, we're simply explaining our point of view and our opinion. So there is an extreme fine line and, and I'm just like you, Corey. I've been a, a judge at some of those shows where the kids just don't care and there's others who put absolutely all the work into it. And, and you kind of pull for those kids, honestly. Right. Um, you know, but that is true. You don't have to, you don't have to spend thousands and hundreds of dollars. Just make yourself look good. Make your livestock look good too. Yeah. All right, Trev. I love things in threes. So let's do one more topic and I'll, I'll, I'll let you pick this one. For sure. So, um, I have a list. I need to pull up my list. All right. This is a good one. Comes from my good buddy Cece on Instagram. Actually, she uh, she sent us one of our um, you know that little sticker deal you put on our stories, and uh, she gave us several, which was awesome. Shout out to you, Cecilia. Um, but one of her thoughts that I think is incredible, um, and actually I sent this to you earlier today because right when I got it, I thought it was really good. But I'll let you answer this one first, and it, you know it may be a, a little tough one, but she says. 
One thing no one warns you about when you get started in the industry. So what's one thing that nobody really warned you uh, when you were started into the show livestock industry? Yeah, that's a tough one. I mean, there's there's a lot of things you don't get warned about when you start, um, especially maybe if you don't have, you know, opportunity to grow up around it. Um, you know, luckily I did, but one thing I guess I never was truly warned about was, uh, the amount of work it takes to be truly successful Mm -hmm. is, is something that nobody really warns you about. And I don't think anybody can, I mean, people can tell you, yeah, you got to work hard to be successful, but that goes with anything in life. So, but the amount that it, it of focus and drive and, and competitiveness that it takes, uh, you know, to really make yourself known or or have an opportunity to be in front of the right people in the industry, um, that's probably something that nobody warns you about. I guess is is just truly the hard work that it takes to do it. Now, there's certainly people that can. Um, try to tell you that, but until you experience it for yourself, you really don't know. And you you've got to figure out how bad you want it. And another one actually that I think of right off the top of my head too. Um, one thing nobody warns you about is the big dogs aren't scary. Uh, yeah, nobody, nobody yeah. really tells you, you know, like, Hey, it's okay if you, if you're maybe a little bit nervous, but go and talk to those guys that are, that are doing the winning that have a big crowd around them that, you know, always make it to the backdrop or whatever. I mean, that's like what Ben said in the, the last episode last, you know, this, this past time, yeah. you know, th- those guys are willing to, to, you know, share their stories, you know? Yeah. So, this, so all you gotta do is just go and ask them. Yeah. Nobody really warns you that they're not scary. So, I mean, yeah. and they could, you know, some of those guys can be a little intimidating, you know, because they've, they've built such a big brand and name for themselves and, and their crew that it's a little bit, uh, maybe you feel like you're bothering them by just being there, but truly, uh, like Ben said, actually in the last episode, those guys love that kind of stuff. So, yeah, oh for sure. Uh, if I had to answer, it's not really a warning, but I'm going to flip the script on you just a bit. Um, something that nobody really told me when I got started within the industry was the amount of career opportunities and leadership opportunities within the industry. Mm. When I got first started in, in the show pig industry, I didn't, I didn't even know it was an industry to begin with. I thought, you know what? I, I like the fair and I was fortunate enough to, like I said in the past to have very, very good mentors, but you know, they said, Hey, here's some pigs. Let's try it out this year. And I'm a competitive person, but Nobody really said, hey, you can judge shows if you really wanted to. If you work at it, like you said, nobody tells you how much you have to work at it. But I quickly found out if I dedicate myself to this, I can go judge shows. I can raise some show pigs. I can work for people who raise show pigs. You know, the the list goes on and on. Or I can, you know, eventually sell feed someday. Nobody really explains that. And you just kind of find it out. So here's me telling those listeners out there uh, the show livestock industry, not just the show pig industry, but the entirety of the show livestock industry is so vast. There is so many career opportunities and better yet leadership opportunities. Um, you know, starting a 4-H group, monitoring a, a group of young people, um, that just thrive in, in a 4-H industry. 
uh, or, or 4-H program and FFA in the same sense. Um, I always help, I always try to help out judging teams. Uh, that's just kind of my way of giving back. Um, obviously, judging shows, you get to work with kids. But nobody really told me at the beginning, like, look, you can be – you can make a full-time living out of the show industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't even know it was an industry when I, when it first started. So, um, but that would be, that's like I said, not really a warning, but, um, nobody really said that. And, uh, when I first started and, but, but I soon found out. Right. Yeah. Well, Trev, I'm super pumped up for these, uh, these guests that we got coming on here in just a minute. Um, two guys that, that obviously we alluded to in our last podcast was uh, of just a couple of, of just homegrown, really good friends that, that made a boar stud business, uh, have raised show pigs their whole life. And I know our audience is getting a little show pig heavy right now, but it'll all make sense, you know, playing these, these episodes back to back here. Um, so Ben, uh, and, and, and crew, uh, you know, they're Adam Beck and family show pigs and crossroads genetics along with, uh, Jason Coria. I mean, just really good guys. And, and we're super excited to have them come on here. Oh yeah. It was a great conversation and, and you'll hear, uh, we were actually at a pig show in an office and those guys there uh, really helped us out and allowed us to kind of record there in the office. So, uh, there was some background noise, but like, like in episodes before, it really doesn't bother you once you kind of get used to it. But I feel like, uh, kind of a, a butt head though because i did not give jason a shout out in the lennox brother episodes uh so <laughs> well my bad we'll, jason we'll give jason a shout out right now <laughs> yeah so it, it is both of them uh they were actually the judge at that show so i just snagged them before they jumped in the ring Super so convenient. uh it, it was a really good conversation so here's the conversation guys first and foremost uh thanks again for jumping in on another episode you've made it a full month Thanks for hanging out with us. Here is Jason and Adam. Uh, just real briefly, uh, tell us about your size, scope of your operations, and kind of how Crossroads came about. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, my name is Adam Beck, and owner-operator of Crossroads Genetics and Adam Beck and Family Show Pigs. Uh, I've been raising show pigs since I was nine, eight, nine years old, whenever 4-H started up. And uh, my dad, he, he had a purebred Duroc operation. Uh, had about 50 to 60 sows, and uh, when I was growing up, he got rid of them when I was about four, and then by the time my brother and I got back into showing hogs, uh, decided we wanted to show hogs as well, and so we went and bought three gilts, uh, actually from Ivan Miller, uh, Lyle Dorjohn was a herdsman there at the time, and uh, bought three three sows, a Duroc, and two crosses, and uh, that's kind of how we got started, and just kind of built it up through the, the 4-H program, and, and uh, as we progressed and got a few more sows, wanted to start selling some hogs to try and alleviate a little bit of cost and try and make a few extra bucks to try and put towards the operation and uh, just kind of build it up to where we've got currently a hundred, right around a hundred sows. And uh, we started Crossroads back eight years ago, uh, the fall of 2010. My wife and I got married uh, in March of that year and uh, just kind of told her about the stream that I had and uh, decided to go ahead and pursue it and, and, and go after it. And so uh, we started it back in August 2010. Just started out her and I, and as we've grown and gotten bigger, we've had the opportunity to to hire employees and and not just employees, but friends and family members uh, to to help along the way. And uh, that's kind of where Jason came and and uh, got involved. He and I were friends in college, and 
uh, had known each other, uh, you know, through NJSA shows and got to be real good buddies in college. And what um, was the college? Where'd you go to school? Both went to Purdue. Okay. Uh, both went to oh Purdue. boy, that's not a word to say yeah. to the Buckeye this year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. This year. yeah. Yeah. Did up, you have Corey? to tell your wife like, hey, you get to pick between a boar stud or a honeymoon, or did you get both? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. She was uh, she was gracious enough. We went on a honeymoon and in the boar stud, so we didn't didn't have to pick. What a lady. <laughs> So, no, we're uh, we're currently up to sixty boars, and uh, that's that's about where we're at typically on a awesome yeah, currently. So, Jason, how'd you get started? Well, kind of similar to Adam. I mean, it was kind of family oriented, uh, much like him. My dad grew up raising hogs. Uh, you know, quit raising there. He was the went to high school, then you know got out, stayed home, family farmed. Um, you know, kind of grew the farm. Uh, you know, quit raising hogs, and then. When, you know, family come about and got old enough to show hogs, we decided to, you know, just start showing pigs. At the time, we had a guy that, uh, you know, fed hogs out at our, at our you know, south facility now. I fed hogs, bought my first two 4-H pigs off of there for 25 bucks a piece and uh, went and had grand at our county fair the first year. And it was just like a fever from there. Um, about within four years of that, decided to keep a few sows, raise a few sows. Uh, what started off as, as breeding five sows our first year within about, Five years, we grew to about 15 to 20 and hmm. about 50 sows now. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, Corey, do you want to ask kind of uh, what we, we had some questions lined up for these guys, but just go ahead and fire yeah. away. So, uh, Adam, I think it's interesting uh, when you guys, and it seems like anymore, anybody that's got a boar stud is, is raising those things themselves too. And if you're not, you know, I don't know if there is anybody that kind of has an operation like that anymore, but. My question is, and something I'm curious to know about is, is how how do you balance the boar stud and and raising your own operation without losing quality and your hair, or is the second part just the inevitable part? Yeah, <laughs> yeah a very good question, Corey. Um, I'll, I'll be honest; at the beginning, uh, probably didn't do a very good job of it, and still we've got room to improve. But uh, really, there's no way I could do it without without the good, good people that I have helping me. Uh, you know, when we started out, uh, you know, we started out with about eight boars and, and, uh, my wife and I got married in March, uh, started the boar stud in August. And then we had our first child in, in May of the following year in 2011. And, uh, I'll never forget when, when we went to the hospital, uh, it was a collection day and, uh, it was just her and I at the time. And, uh, we got there early, the early in the morning. And, uh, I told her, I said, look, I'm, I've got to get out of here. I've got to go collect some boars. So um, I went. And, uh, my mother-in-law was with my wife at the hospital. I went and collected eight boars and and uh, got back about fifteen minutes to spare right before Lily was born. So um, you know, it's one of those things that uh, as the business has grown, we've been able to, like I said, hire real good friends and family and. There's no way I could do it without having them to help. I really need to meet her because she let you go on a honeymoon and start a boar stud and go collect boars. My God. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's pretty cool. After we got out of Lily, we went uh, straight from the hospital to the feed mill to pick up three tons of feed and, uh, went back. It's, uh, we've got stories like that with all three of our children. So yeah. I'm the one that's lost the hair in the whole deal. Yeah. 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 I still got my hair. No, so you know, you guys for for Jason, you can answer this one to get started. But you said you you met at Purdue, and and uh, you know Corey and I met at Blackhawk, and you know it's you. We've had you know episodes that these guys listen to is you gain those connections at school, and it's amazing what can happen from there on out. So I guess my question is to you, 
Um, how did you guys maintain your friendship and yet, you know, build a business together and, you know, be coworkers at the same time and maybe how you kind of manage friendship versus partnership? Right. No, I mean, that's a, that's a good question. Cause I mean, you know, they say it's always, it, you know, you always kind of flirt with fire when you mix, you know, work and, and friendship. And, and I guess that's where Adam and I have been, you know, very good about being able to do that. I mean, we, you know, I, I still remember the day that he called me with this whole idea of crossroads and, and says, Hey, you know, I, you know, I don't know if I'll ever get to go. You know what I want to tell you about it. Cause I was a Prairie state at the time. And he goes, if everything goes as planned, I want you to come and help me build it someday. Oh, that's awesome. So I, I was able to move over, you know, back closer to him and help him get it going. And just, I mean, just with, I think the passion we both have for the industry and, and being, I think very similar people with having the same goals in mind, is what's allowed us to be friends and business partners. I mean, trust me, we have our days probably where we walk away and can't stand each other. But like, yeah. you know, and he and I have talked about this before. Like, the cool thing about it is, is like those small minor things might irritate us at the time, but I don't think we've ever walked away at the end of the day and not, you know, not had it resolved. Right. And yeah. And that's, I think that's what's helped too. Yeah. And I mean, and you're, you both are very approachable. And like you said, you have the same uh, values. And that's, he's like, Working with Corey and, you know, Ben that works for Ben Linda that works for yeah. you guys. He's he's one of those that I can and he'll be straight up with me. I think that's a stupid idea, you know, <laughs> but you got to have those guys. And oh yeah, it's got a core. That reminds me of when I approached you about this deal that uh, I mean, our listeners have already heard their story. But, uh, you know, friendships are are awesome. Yeah, so, we've had that, too. And there's times I agree with him, but I'm like, hey, at the end of the day, you're the boss and I'll support whatever you do. <laughs> yeah. and, hey, uh, you may not like it, but I learned to live with it. We've, right. had, it, we've yeah. had our run ins occasionally, yeah. but. We, we get through it, so. That's no, good. It's, it's what a business is. Yeah, I tell you what, when Trevor and I started this deal, we didn't even know. I mean, we still don't even to this day. And I've got no idea when this episode is going to air, but it's kind of like, you know, when you start something with somebody that you're you're really close with and it's something you're passionate about, I think you can create success regardless of what other people say or, or have ideas about. So that's really cool. I You know, you guys probably are the the only ones I know that didn't like this whole deal didn't start from one family and you just kind of build it up. This is kind of, you know, two different worlds that came together and created something. So, um, how many, how many different breeds you guys have now? Yeah. The board said we pretty much got every breed except for, uh, oh, we pretty much got them all. Don't we? Got everything right I was going to say right now, <laughs> right now we currently have a little bit of everything. Yeah. Uh, how many boards you say? I, I must've missed that. We've got about 60, 60. Okay. Yep. 60. Yeah. We've got, we've got a Hereford boar and we've got a Tamworth boar. Uh, so yeah, we've got our bases covered on the, on the boar side of things. And on the South side, side of it, I've got, uh, primarily we've, we run primarily four breeds, Durox, Yorks, uh, Burks and Crosses. Uh, we did actually at, um, uh, at the open, it was called the open sale that Dave Mullins put on oh, in yeah. November. Uh, we were able to to purchase Jackpot's oh, mom, yeah. the Poland boar that we we bought from Kelly Sheets. Uh, Kelly offered that sow uh, available as a bread, and 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 my my third child Willow, uh, my youngest daughter, she absolutely loves Poland. So uh, we were able to have the opportunity to to, to buy a proven sow that you know I couldn't believe was offered for sale, and uh, have her in the herd now. And actually, we bought the the champion Tamworth Guild at the Indiana State Fair last year. Thought that one was was pretty unique. So. Uh, just to add a couple other breeds there for my kids to show. Uh, so, so you don't just you don't just add add stock to your herd. You add the ones you have. Well, we, we we try and buy the ones that that uh, that are pretty special. We feel like yeah. so. Yeah, when we add a female, we've got kind of a purpose in mind, and and uh, try and buy the ones we feel like can can add to our herd and, and make better hogs. That's awesome. So I guess what? No, I was just going to say. Speaking of that, if there's one that you can't buy. 
will you guys go and source other studs and, you know, find the pieces that are going to match up genetically and what you guys are going to try to do? I think, I think maybe Ben's mentioned in the past that you guys aren't scared to, to go and maybe try something, try something different, get some different genetic pieces in. But I mean, obviously you want to be confident in what you got at your own place and use as many of those boards as you can. But just out of curiosity, is that something you guys can do? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's a, we have customers ask us the same thing. I mean, we, we utilize genetics in, in other studs and I know there's some guys that don't, but uh, my opinion is, is I, I can't own them all. Uh, we, we tried like crazy to, to buy the Yorkshire boar leaps and bounds there, uh, two summer, you know, not last summer, but the summer before. And I felt like that hog would match up with my sows extremely well. And unable, you know, he brought a bunch of money and unable, we were, you know, we were unable to, to acquire him. So I, I bought semen off of Travis and, uh, we had a heck of a run last summer with that boar. So, um, you know, a couple of the boars that we've added into stud, in my opinion, if I just use the hogs that we have there, uh, there's other boars out there that, that have great genetic value, uh, that we don't have. Um, and, uh, you know, if I can incorporate that in, in my sow herd to where we can keep a son back, you know, probably the most successful and, and uh, most popular crossbred animal that we've ever had, there's a boar called Firmed. And, and he was sired by best man. Well, Will never offered best man for sale. So uh, that that was that that was a hard board to get a hold of. So uh, you know, if we can use that hog to incorporate him and, and make a son that we can have for our customers, uh, that's that's what we're going to do. So yeah, um, we've been able to put in some boars. That the last drop Duroc boar that we added this summer uh, was one of the most popular boars we had this fall, and uh, that was a product of of using uh, he's the one over at High Point and. We purchased the world record selling Duroc Gilt uh, back in uh, 2016, and she's been an awesome addition. She brought 35000 and uh, we've got a ton of keeper gilts, and, and last drop's just kind of starting, and, and uh, once we get some pigs on the ground, I think awesome. his legacy's going to start. So. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, just, I guess, to kind of add with that, I mean, we get, uh, from a customer standpoint, like, all the time we get calls, we're like, hey, you know, what's going to be the next thing to breed these daughters to? So, I mean, we're trying to get a little bit ahead of the game ourselves by trying to, you know, outsource right, yeah. some of those options right. to, to have that solid answer for the customer. Yeah. So, hey, I mean, no two boards look the same, but you got to, you know, people always talk about buying pieces. You know, that's a piece for me while it's also a piece for somebody else, yeah. too. And if it doesn't work for your deal, maybe at that point, then somebody else is going to do that's it. That's the neat yeah. thing, I guess, with like the whole crossroads deal with the growth of it is like, you know, I know the. You know, Adam probably echo this. The first few years, like we were focusing on buying boards that you know not only we could take home and, and be popular with the public, but we could use on our own sales right. too. And since we've grown like we have, we've been able to maybe buy some boards that here I maybe don't just tap in and use a bunch, but they've got that piece our customers want. Oh yeah, and if it works at your place, somebody's going to want to try it. Exactly. I would, you know. <laughs> right. You see yeah. pictures online all the time with yeah. you guys. I'm like, well, that works. Right? Yeah. <laughs> you got two doses. <laughs> and the one that doesn't work for us is working for other people. And you know, we may tell ourselves, well, hey, maybe that one you know, doesn't have what we need in our herd, but we've got plenty of customers that utilize him. So that's exactly. keeps him around to mm-hmm. still yeah. offer from that standpoint. So kind of to tail off of that a little bit, um, my my next question is, uh, you know, I've always thought, you know, if you hopefully I get to the point where I can judge a, a major and then, you know, whatever it is. Um, and, and you guys have had that opportunity. So how do you balance the, the, or maybe the complications that comes with judging at maybe an open show and then having, having some interest in those hogs to be able to have to buy them afterwards too. And, and I guess, how do you, how do you balance all of that? Yeah. I mean, I guess we're, uh, it's, it, it is a little bit of a tricky situation because you're, you're basically just, Telling your hand what you you know what what you like. I mean, it seems like uh, I've had the opportunity to judge several, and uh, 
you know, down in Belton, we judge across crosses together, and and uh, the champion boar that, that we named, we ended up buying Border Patrol for eighty thousand. Uh, I judged the Polands at Expo a couple years back, and used jackpot to win, and, and we purchased him. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This summer, we judged crossbred boars at Summer Type, and the the champion boar we were contending on. So, yeah, it uh, it does make it a little more challenging because you do show what you know people what you like. Yeah. But uh, always said when you know if got the opportunity to do it, we're gonna. Uh, do it with honesty and, and pick the ones we like. And if that means other people know what I like, that's so be it. Right. Um, so, and usually with most of those things, there's enough of those neat pieces. Maybe it's not that one that wins, but we, you will have conversations in the ring. Like, you know, Hey, that one's neat. You know, you know he's not a win a hog show type one, but he, he always got need. In the right. Yeah, the one, the one in happens. third might exactly. be the piece you need, but maybe not for the show. It's going to be, you know, popular for everybody. Correct. Exactly. Correct. Awesome. So, you know, Ben, Ben Lennig and Trevor, and myself, we're all pretty close. I actually got to know uh, Houston uh, pretty well a little while back, and and so I got to know a question about Houston. It does his does his yeah. does his mullet give him job security, or is there or is he there to do the heavy lifting for Lennig? It does. That that uh, that was actually part of the job requirement that you know it, when he got the job that the mullet was not to be cut, and if it did, that that would uh, jeopardize his, his yeah, job yeah. status with us. So, I mean, no doubt he would still still put the same effort in and work hard like he does. But so as, the mullets for sure. Is Crossroads sponsored by Head and Shoulders now? Too, <laughs> it, should, should it should be. be yeah, should be. I picture a, a slow motion like right out of the pool head shake. You know, it's, it's funny we'll send Snapchats out or. Or something, and we'll get responses back like, "Hey, who's that dude with the mall?" <laughs> yeah. you know I mean? So yeah. it's, it's just becoming nationwide. Well, I mean, uh, Houston and Ben are stature wiser, night and day. You got you know crooked back Ben, and then yeah. <laughs> big stout Houston. So yeah, uh, they're they're a little bit of that night and day difference, yeah. but yeah, Houston's mechanical skills are quite I, a bit better than Ben's yeah. as well. So. Yeah, he, yeah, and he can see colors too. Don't so, yeah. Don't ask Ben to jump a car. He does not use jumper cables. So, yeah. oh my gosh. Yeah, make sure you ask him what Malin Rich is someday. I guess the the, the next question I have is uh, we we've, we've talked pieces and boar studs and all that, but uh, to talk about your uh, your own uh, show pig herds, how do you stay motivated to make the next step? Or you know what's what is your push to make your stock better? Well, I guess I mean for me. It, if you're in this industry, uh, you know, I feel like you probably have to have a competitive personality. And and uh, I'll tell you, we don't like losing around our place. And, you know, my wife is probably worse than I am. She doesn't like to lose at, at anything, uh, whether it be, you know, volleyball at school with my daughters or, or, or gymnastics or cheer. You know, she wants them to, to, to be the best and and uh, try, try and do as well as you can. And not that we, you know, the one thing that you got to learn to do, though, is, is – is learn how to lose as well yeah. because you're going to lose a lot more than you're going to win. And, uh, but we try, you know, we try to make hogs better so that, that, that my kids can be competitive in the show ring. And then my customers, uh, and just try to make those hogs, uh, to where they'll feed is, as easy and, and good for those customers. Uh, so they're not calling and, and saying, Hey, you blew a hawk or right, anything right. like that. We try to make hogs good. And so where they'll go and perform for the, for their new owner. Um, but you know, I think it, it all boils down to, you know, it is a it is a livestock show, and we're trying to make animals that will go and, and win shows. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's what keeps us motivated. And then, you know, myself, I enjoy lining hogs up and, and breeding them and mating them, and and seeing 
you know, you put all this work into getting a sow lined up and, and getting her time to breed and, and try and have a litter at the right time. And, and uh, it, it's not an easy process. And uh, once you get that product on the ground and see how those hogs mature and, and uh, see if that mating works. So yeah. I guess for me, that's what I really enjoy doing, trying to line animals up and, and make the best, best product that we can do. So you bet. I would agree a lot. I mean, I, I like motivation. I mean, you know, you, like Adam said, you sell those hogs to those young kids after you put a lot of time and effort in them. Maybe you go to a show and you think you got one, but, you know, you just didn't quite get it done. So, so then you like you, you you drive home or you get home that night and you're, you're kind of you're looking through the barn or your sows. You're like, okay, what do I need to do? I mean, why, you know, why didn't I get there? And I know that, you know, livestock shows are opinion-oriented. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's that opinion on that day, just like it's going to be here today at this show. But you want to try to make those ones that are going to cover a vast amount of opinions right? and just – do it consistently. Yeah. So I like the motivation. And that's the thing I always tell, I mean, Corey, I talk about this all the time and you know, you're, you got to tell the family that at the end of the day, it is one opinion on one day, but you know, the values you pick up along the way are kind of your investment within your kids and to have, uh, you know, a company like you guys to back you up makes that every, uh, that whole thing easier. Right. And to, to be able to just be like, you know, ask them guys, they understand the sows and how they grow and you know, what, what they expect. So, yeah, no, I mean, bring up the young people aspect of it. I mean, that is that is what we're doing here. I mean, we're using an animal to try and build, you know, uh, teach kids responsibility and, and uh, teaching them that, you know, it is hard to win. It, it, and, and you have to put work into something if you want to see a big reward for it. And uh, not everything in life is given to you, and it's not all easy. So, yeah, uh, that's definitely a huge things that can be learned in the barns. So. Right. And I mean, I, I've always heard, you know, that it kind of comes in thirds. It's the breeder's job to make sure it's genetically gifted enough to, to get it there. It's the family's job to manage it and make sure the, the environment's good, the health is good. And then, you know, whoever you're using to, to feed that hog or maybe that's where your village comes into play is, it, you know, you got to manage it right that way also. So if all those three things are or at the top, then you're in the hunt. But yep. it takes a lot of, you know, it's not just the breeder's job to make, you know, high dollar bear is not always going to win. you got to get <laughs> oh, it. Oh, absolutely. It's definitely a team yeah. effort. Yeah. And, I mean, well, I, I talk about this all the time, and, and we look back at, you know, some shows that we've been able to win. And I, I tell my wife and, and talk to Jason and Ben, and, and uh, you know, if we didn't have the right judge for that hog that we had, you know, we could easily be third. Mm -hmm. Uh, It it all depends on what that person likes. And, you know, judges have different opinions and and set their priorities differently. And and we just feel very fortunate from the time that hog's born that it doesn't get laid on, (laughs) that that the sow does her job, and then they don't get sick throughout the growing process. And, and, uh, you know, a lot of things have to come into play uh, in order to do that. So, it's uh, it's definitely when you when you're able to win or have a, a success in in a show ring, uh, it, definitely all the things that come up to that point are are pretty important, and it's neat to to see come to fruition. So, well, Corey, I think uh, our time's uh, coming to an end here. Any last minute thoughts for these? Yeah, guys? Yeah, I want to put a plug in for in Edge Club Lambs. I I really do appreciate that you guys uh, getting. Getting involved with the show lamb deal. Uh, so, just want to make you aware. I've got uh, I've got a whole group that's afraid of. all right yeah no you guys uh, just appreciate you guys being on here uh i will say uh good luck today i feel like uh judging judging shows is kind of like being a referee during a controversial call you're gonna make one one person or one team really upset but you're gonna have a lot of fans too at the same time so uh you know just appreciate you guys uh, joining us so thanks a lot yeah thanks a lot for coming in guys uh 
those of you listening, uh, follow us on all of our social media outlets. If you haven't already, uh, jump on and like and listen. And we appreciate your time as well. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of Stock Talk.